0: You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the war is at your court. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And today I'm going to be continuing the series, I Did It. Stay tuned to the end of the show for some Real Life, Real Crime announcements. And as always, thank you for your support. And thank you, Patreon and Convicts, for your financial support. And I did put this case file up for y'all uh, under lock and key if you want to go read the reports, etc., so when I left you last, I told you about the three suspects, which are Carrier, Lejeune, and Street, were under arrest for the murder of Shane Maybear and the attempted murder of Murray Broussard. And um, the investigation, I'll just kind of sum it up for y'all and get to the to the trial. They arrested them all that night, and they stated that they had thrown. Uh, shotguns, plural, into a pond near the ballpark. I mean, they they were admitted basically that that they were there. The problem was they were blaming each other, and not not saying who who the shooter was. But the pond was drained. Shotguns were never found. Um, the three of them stated that they had been squirrel hunting earlier in the day, and that that's an attempt to in case the detectives try to do gunshot residue tests on their hands, et cetera, which they didn't, but neither here nor there. They go to jail, and while in jail, uh, one of the main things that happened was Carrier wrote Lejeune a detailed note which said, this is a story you and I are going to tell, and street will be fucked. He said, I want you to read this story twice a day. Keep it in your sock. That way, when they question us about it again, we'll have our story straight. Well, that note got turned over to the prosecution. Also, while they were in jail, the three were afforded, a polygraph test by Don Zulke and y'all have heard me talk about him before he was doing polygraphs before I was even in law enforcement and the main question was who shot Shane Hebert okay and both Street and Lejeune said that Carrier did the shooting and they passed the polygraph Carrier said he did not do the shooting, that Street did it, and he failed the polygraph, right? But we all know it's not admissible in court unless both sides agree to to the polygraph, and that's not going to happen. Also while in jail, Carrier tried to escape, and he did some simple damage to property, the, the window he tried to get out of or whatever, but he was charged with that also. And it was like two years before they went to trial, y'all. Or um, right, it was a little over two years, actually. I think like two years and five months. But let's go to the trial. The, before the trial, both Street and Lejeune agreed to testify against Carrier and say what happened that night. Both of them took 15 years each as part of their plea bargain for attempted armed robbery. But they had to testify, right? Now, the problem with this case was and always had been that the stories changed and even to a certain extent Murray Broussard's story changed before the trial. He said at first that he pulled up and in. Avery came to to the window and he saw a Street and he didn't say he saw Carrier and later on that would change. Carrier had a Wayne Stewart as his defense attorney and Wayne Stewart was simply the best y'all and and the, the certainly in the twenty first judicial he was the best criminal defense trial lawyer. If he, I mean not saying he's a great guy or anything but I worked for him a lot over the years on the defense side etc but he's just he could put on a show for a jury and and that was Carrier's attorney um, and I think Wayne was simply the best except for maybe Michael Thiel who also operated in, in the 21st judicial and he actually taught me criminal law in college but f- oddly enough since then both of them have been disparred i think Michael Thiel for uh, tax evasion or something and Wayne Stewart got caught on tape soliciting one of his clients, a female clients for sex uh, in exchange for money and she turned that in and he got disbarred. But he, he was good. He was damn good. And it, it, you know he knew the case was going to be tough but he took it. So now on the prosecution side you had Charlotte Abair You've heard me talk about her numerous times before. She was the lead prosecutor who tried all the heaviest cases for Scott Parler who was the district attorney in the 21st judicial which covers Livingston Parish, Tangipahoa Parish and St. Helena Parish. And she was she was awesome, y'all. I never lost a case with her. I mean, she's just was so serious about her cases and I mean and look, I've seen her do closing arguments and, and she starts crying when she's talking about the victims. I've seen her, you know, cry afterwards. And she was, she was a hard ass. And now she's a judge, but I mean, she really, truly cared and she really, truly believed in her cases. And so she took it to trial. Again, the other two, St- Street and Avery, pled out and they were going to testify against Carrier stating that, yes, he was the one who set up the deal. Uh, uh, Carrier was actually friends with, with uh, Shane Hebert and but I don't believe that Carrier knew Shane was in the car that night. But Carrier was also friends uh, with Broussard, and he had paged Broussard earlier in the day and called him and told him, hey, I want a pound of weed, and they set up the deal for, at the Live Oak Ballpark for that night. But again, even Murray Broussard's story changed from when he first pulled up, and he only saw a street in uh, Avery Lejeune that at standing outside of the car, and then Avery came to the window, and he sees a shotgun coming through the window, and the, and the blast goes off and kills Shane. and He speeds away, and there's two more shots. But the thing was, at that time, he didn't say he didn't say anything about carrier he did say there was a third person later on when he was at the store but you can't take back what you say or you don't say the trial starts uh, Charlotte opens up and tells a story she says hey you know what we've got two eyewitnesses and and the unfortunately basically three if you want to include Bruce hard but the we got two eyewitnesses that have taken 15 years in prison each for their part of being there that night because they knew or at least they had heard Carrier say that he was going to rob Murray Broussard for the pound of wheat. Whether they believed it or not, um, they admitted that they knew it, you know, and again the carrier had sent the note to lejeune in jail saying hey detailing out this is exactly what we're gonna say put it in your sock read it twice a day and we'll blame it on the street and he'll be fucked right but the problem with with a case like this except for shane a um the people that can testify to what actually happened wayne stewart's gonna paint them all as liars and, and, and dope heads, right? And, I mean, and look, they took plea bargains to testify against my client. And, you know, my client wasn't there. And A. Wayne said during the trial basically that, you know, uh, he never said Shane, called Shane by his name. He said, you know, I, I've seen a lot of horrible, bad things, bad cases. He said, and this is certainly one of the worst. He said, but my client didn't kill that boy. Didn't call him Shane Bear. Hey, y'all, in the morning times when I hear, I wish these bags under my eyes would just go away. I know Cindy's in the bathroom putting on her makeup, getting ready for her day, right? But if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of Americans until now. Introducing Genucell plant stem cell therapy to visibly reduce puffiness under the eyes. Why Genucell? Well, like most people, you've tried innumerable anti-aging skin care products claiming to erase wrinkles, lighten dark circles under the eyes, brighten skin, and restore a more youthful appearance. No doubt you've been disappointed. GenuCell products really work. GenuCell's anti-aging skin care products are all based on antioxidants, natural substances, proven to help repair and prevent damage caused by sun, wind, pollution, stress, and other external and internal factors. Their unique antioxidant skincare products are endorsed by doctors and celebrities. GenuCell promises results that will make you smile, guaranteed, or get 100% of your money back. Now look, Cindy's been using GenuCell products for months. Her favorite product is the GenuCell Deep firming serum. She feels like her skin is glowing, her skin looks more plump, not saggy, and the appearance of age lines and wrinkles are diminishing. She loves how soft it makes her skin feel and after she rubs it on her face, she uses what's left on her fingers to rub into her hands and she says they even look better. Right now, GenuCell's most popular package is 60% off at GenuCell.com R-L-R-C treat yourself and a loved one to the absolute best skin care in the world. Just go to com slash R-L-R-C and enter my special promo code R-L-R-C for a free gift plus an additional 20% off when you purchase their most popular package. Free priority shipping for a limited time. That's g-e-n-u-c-e-l dot com slash r-l-r-c A. Wayne, or Wayne Stewart, continuously harped on the fact that the stories had changed, that nothing was consistent, the stories had changed throughout the, the time that they had been in. He didn't have an answer for when it was presented by Charlotte, that Carrier wrote the note to Lejeune about what to say and then that they were going to fuck Street and then we say Street did it. But there was a lot of problems, y'all. And, and I'll come back and read you some articles when I get done talking talking about it. The, when Street and Lejeune took the stand, the of course, on you know they told the story that um, that Murray Bruce Hart told the same thing that he had got a page and that um, Carrier wanted to buy a pound of weed and that's what he went up there for and he said he didn't have a whole pound of weed um, but he said he saw the you know the shotgun coming through the window and, it, and that Carrier was a shooter and all that and it just it just changed the story but. And, and Wayne Stewart hounded on that right but when when Street and Avery take the stand he really just pounds away on them the, uh, but the most damning thing was and I might have him reverse but I think it was Lejeune that was first and uh, and, and Wayne on redirect and after Charlotte got done with him Wayne said you know basically called him everything but child of God. But then he said, hey, uh, do you happen to get a tattoo while you were in prison since you've been locked up in the last two plus two plus years since this murder? And he had to admit yes. And Wayne Stewart said, well, will you show the jury your tattoo? Of course, there was an ejection, it was overruled, and they made him show the tattoo and the tattoo was of a human skull, and it had a it had a bullet hole in it. Pretty damning, right? I mean, he got that since the shooting, and I think it was Street that uh, the when the next one took the stand, it's the same kind of thing. A Wayne's picking them apart, making them out to look like dope heads and dope dealers and all that. And he asked him, he said, "Did, did you happen to get?" A tattoo while you're in prison, locked up for this, you know, waiting this trial, and again, and he said, yeah, and he said, what is it? And he says they had the big tattoo across the back that said guilty or guilt, but I'll come back to it. I'll read that to y'all in a few minutes. So that's pretty bad, right? The, and then then you got the jury hearing their conflicting statements from when the deputy Billy Amy gave his first report, or the detectives gave their first reports and what was said at the store and, and that things changed. Uh, one of the other things Wayne Stewart did was he brought up the fact that there was no gunshot residue test done. Adam Churchman with the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab, um, who was in, like, the firearm section at the time, and later on he would end up running the crime lab. But at that time, he uh, Charlotte put him on the stand and he testified to the fact that it wouldn't have mattered, he said. All the gunshot residue proves is that somebody handled a firearm. They can't tell you what firearm it was or when they handled it. it you know, if it um, if it's six hours afterwards or whatever, then you know the test might not be there. Uh, the gunshot might, the residue might not be there. The GSR might not be there. But also the it was suspected that they had worn gloves. But on top of that, I think it was Carrier that testified or stated in his statements that they had been squirrel hunting earlier in the day, so he, he might have GSR on his hands. But yeah, regardless, the detectives didn't take it. But really, that's, I mean, certainly wouldn't have hurt the prosecution's case, but it didn't really wouldn't have helped it. But maybe in the jury's mind, it played a little bit. I don't know. Nowadays, y'all, the GSR is almost obsolete. They they have a more advanced testing where they can actually tell you um, when somebody shoots a gun. They can get metal tracings and uh, that you can't even see off of it and, and tie it back to that weapon. But it still doesn't tell you when they fire the weapon. So, but all these things Wayne picked apart. You know, but one of the things Wayne said was to the jury he said hey you know what this I've seen a lot of bad things and certainly this is one of the worst and he said whoever shot that boy it wasn't my client they're a monster but it wasn't my client and they have not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that my client shot that boy never called his name never called him Shane Hebert it goes out to the jury, and uh, uh, Judge Brenda Ricks was was the judge. It goes out to the jury, and y'all, they're only out like an hour and a half. And they come back in. The judge says, I understand you reached a verdict. The foreman stands up. Yes, we have. The judge gets the verdict and reads it, and then they read it in open court, and it comes back. The carrier is found not guilty, not guilty. Now when that's announced, Charlotte pretty much loses her composure and and sits there and is crying and and is upset, rightfully so. I mean, she puts her heart and soul into it. But the family members were upset. There were people that were happy on Carrier's side that he got off. There were people on Shane's side that were obviously very, very upset. Um, but they found him not guilty. The story doesn't end there. When they leave court, now Carrier's gotta go back to jail regardless. He can't get immediately released because when he was in jail awaiting trial, he tried to escape. So he had that charge pending and he had a damage to properties and charge for, for from whatever he, he tried to break to get out of the jail. So he goes back to the jail. One of the deputies, and I don't know who it is, y'all, one of the deputies who was escorting him and, you know, asked him. He said, you know what? He said, it's over now. He said, who killed Shane Aber? Who shot him? Carrier says, and I'm, I'll read you exactly in a minute. I'm going to sum it up for you carrier says well you know what it's over with now he said I guess I can tell you meaning y'all that he couldn't be tried again for what he said because it would be double jeopardy but carrier says I shot him I killed Shane Bear." but he says it was an accident he said I put the gun in the window and Murray went to drive off and I pulled the gun out, was pulling the gun out of the window, and it accidentally went off. But well, that's bullshit, okay? The, I mean, that's just bullshit. It, it, I might have believed that if the gun had gone off once, but it didn't go off once. It went off the first time, killing Shane, second time in the rear window, and the third one in the rear driver's side window that's three shots okay your safety all my guns are always loaded so if you're ever around me don't touch them alright and if you ever do touch them you never put your finger on the trigger your finger to me is your safety and unload loaded gun to me doesn't mean shit it's, it's might as well be a brick if I ever need it then I need it to be loaded so I can defend myself or whatever but that night I I wasn't there and I don't have any direct knowledge but I submit to you that he pulled that trigger on purpose all right when Murray said he saw the shotgun coming through the window and then the shot was fired that killed Shane instantly and then he goes to haul ass and then there's another shot and then a the third shot all of them hitting the vehicle now if it was a pump shotgun, that hasn't been established. But if it's a pump shotgun, that means he had to pull the trigger and then pump around in, pull the trigger again, and pump around in, and pull the trigger again, right? Um, even if it's a semi-automatic, the if it's if you fire three times fast with a semi-automatic, the first shot's going to go where it goes. The, the second shot, the, the barrel's going to be ha- have raised up from the kickback on the gun. The second shot would have been off. And the third shot, I mean, if it's an accident, the third shot would have been somewhere up in the air. These shots were intentional. The first one, killing Shane Abear, The second one, striking the the uh, Toyota and dead ass in the, in the back window. And the third shot, another perfect shot into the window of the uh, driver's side rear. Fuck you. That, that, that was intentional. And that's just the way it is. But they said that – Kerry said he did it. And then they said that he was crying a little bit, and he was like, I can't believe I got found not guilty. I can't believe I got found not guilty. And he said, God must not be done with me yet. Um, You know, whatever whatever else he said, and I'll read it to you. But he said it was an accident. I'm calling bullshit on that, all right? And you'll never make me believe otherwise. And this is the United States of America. I can save my beliefs. But the – Three shots, that's not an accident. And then you admit to it, but you got tears in your eyes. I don't think those are tears of sadness, y'all. I think those are tears of joy, tears of disbelief. But why in the fuck would you say you did it? takes a certain kind of personality maybe in my mind maybe it's like bragging you just got away with murder i mean you even say i can't believe they they didn't find me guilty and but i did it and he says i can tell you i can tell you what happened now because they can't do anything to me for it i did it it's fucking crazy now at some point later he would go back before Judge Ricks and the DA uh, actually um, care. took a plea to simple criminal damage to property from the escape they dropped the escape charge they had to release him on everything else so he got out and it was told to me that he disappeared whether it was out of fear that Shane's family was going to retaliate or whatever that he disappeared for a while but it didn't matter the, let me read y'all a little bit about the, the trial, what, what was officially written. It says, I was the trigger man, but it was an accident, a sheriff's deputy says. Acquitted murder defendant Adam Carrier told him Wednesday after a jury freed him. According to a sheriff's incident report, the deputy asked Carrier after the trial who had killed 19-year-old Shane Hebert in 1997. It's over now. Carrier was quoted as telling the deputy, I was found not guilty. I guess I could tell you. According to the report, Carrier then told the deputy that he, Avery Lejeune, and Matthew Street had gone to the Watson ballpark in lot to rob Murray Hart, But it went bad, Carrier is quoted as saying in the incident report. When Murray saw the shotgun coming in the window of his car, he took off. As I pulled the gun back, it went off. It was an accident. I wasn't going to kill anyone. It just happened. Carrier appeared to be in shock over the outcome of the trial, the deputy wrote. He quoted Carrier saying, It's over now. God must have something in store for me. I still can't believe it. I thought they would at least give me manslaughter. still feel like it's a dream. I can't believe it. Not guilty. Two deputies report that Carrier was crying as he said he had a second chance at life to spend with his family and raise my son. Jurors found Carrier not guilty Wednesday after a two-day trial provoking cries of bitter disbelief from some in the courtroom and cries of astonishment relief from others. We were totally stunned, Judy Walker, mother of victim Dennis Shane Everett, said. They let a killer go free. Walker said... She expected at least a manslaughter verdict. He had at least as much a part in it as the other two, Walker said, and they're serving 15 years for attempted armed robbery. Unfortunately, this was not justice, District Attorney Scott Paraly said. It was a mean, brutal, cold act. I'm still numb. The jury reached its verdict after deliberating an hour and 30 minutes late Wednesday Judge Brenda and Judge Brenda Rick's court Walker said Carrier was once caught stealing y'all Walker's Shane's mama Walker said Carrier was once caught stealing Christmas decorations and Shane prevailed on her not to press charges Adam called later and apologized Walker said is is that what's gonna happen now I'd like to get a message to Adam Do not ever say again that you were Shane's friend and never come near anyone in our family again. Prosecutor Charlotte Hebert and defense attorney Wayne Stewart did not poll the jury to find out if the not guilty verdict had been unanimous. Two of the eight men and four women on the jury could have voted for a guilty verdict without changing the result. Paraloo said... He thought the jury might have been skeptical of the testimony from the young people who were at the scene of the crime because their original statements had changed and because they were portrayed by the defense as unreliable drug dealers or drug users. We knew we had a problem, Perilou said. Stewart said he had fielded a plea bargain offer of 40 years for manslaughter during the course of the trial. My client rejected the offer. Stewart said. In spite of the problems, we thought the evidence was clear enough, Paraloo said. Charlotte Hebert was terribly disappointed. She had trouble composing herself after the verdict came in and did not poll the jury. The jury did not know that Lejeune Street, who testified against Curry in court last week, had passed lie detector tests and care had failed, Walker said. Lie detector evidence is not admissible in court, Paraloo said. Lejeune told polygraph examiner Don Zolke that Carrier had fired the gun during an attempt to steal drugs and cash from Broussard, according to documents in the case file. Shane Nabert was shot in the face the night of October 27, 1997. Jurors were shown photographs of the body. "'I've seen a lot of things,' Stewart said Thursday, "'and these were as bad as any I've ever seen.' This was a horrific killing. I told the jury that, in my opinion, whoever did it was a cold blooded, vicious killer. Part of Stewart's defense case was the psychological profile of a cold blooded killer. Stewart said that an hour after the murder, Detective Willie Turner found Street asleep at his home. The other two, Carrier and Lejeune, were more understandably shaken up and unable to sleep, Stewart said. Jurors also heard a note Carrier admitted that he had written to Lejeune in jail in 1998. The note explains in detail the story Lejeune should tell authorities so that Street would be blamed for the shooting. Stick to this and we're free, Carrier note reads. Keep this with you in your sock and read it at least two times a day. This way our story will be firm and Matt will be fucked. Stewart said he thought the jury had been impressed by tattoos that Lejeune and Street acquired while they were in jail. Street was asked to show his tattoo to the jury, a skull with a hole in it, and Lejeune said he had the word guilt tattooed on his back. That night, Carrier, who was 19, was in the backseat of a car belonging to and driven by his cousin Street. Then, 18 years old, another friend, 21-year-old Lejeune, was sitting next to Street in the front passenger seat. Street said Carrier paged him while he was eating dinner at Taco Bell, saying he needed transportation. Street and Lejeune agreed to accept 15-year prison sentences for attempted armed robbery, Hebert told the jury. Street, Lejeune, and Carrier were waiting at the back of the deserted parking lot when Shane arrived in a car driven by Murray Broussard, Aber said. Broussard, now 23, testified Tuesday that Carrier had called him earlier in the evening wanting to buy a pound of marijuana. Broussard said he and Shane arrived at the ballpark around 8.50 p.m. with a much smaller amount of marijuana. Broussard told the jury he and Shane had been acquainted with Carrier lejeune and street for years he recognized street's maroon accord which had a hood tied down with a rope broussard testified that only lejeune was outside the car broussard said that less than a minute after lejeune came up to shane's window the back door street's car opened and broussard saw legs coming out and a shotgun barrel the shotgun fired point blank at shane's head and broussard drove away Two more shots hit the car as Broussard drove away. The jury must not have believed Murray, Broussard, when he testified that the shooter got out of the back seat, Walker said. We know Adam was the only one in the back seat. I don't know why in the world they thought Broussard lied about it. Why would he? Broussard said blood splattered on him and all over the windshield, and he had a bullet fragment in his back. Broussard, he said he drove south on Louisiana 16 with his dead friend next to him. When he reached the Watson traffic light, he pulled off into the Village Food Mart to call 911. So, y'all, that's, I mean, it's pretty crazy. All right, y'all, now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read this other article from The Advocate about Carrie getting out of jail. Adam Carrier was released Tuesday after District Attorney Scott Paraloo dropped a charge of attempted simple escape against the acquitted murder defendant. I'm disappointed Mr. Carrier is free, Paraloo said. The system didn't work in this case. The 21st Judicial District Attorney said, There are no other charges that Carrier could be prosecuted for by state or federal authorities without creating a case of double jeopardy. Carrier had allegedly tried to escape from Parish Prison while incarcerated to stand trial for the first-degree murder. Carey was acquitted earlier this year in the 1997 shooting death of 19-year-old Dennis Shane A. at the Watson Ballpark. The 21-year-old carrier, however, did plead guilty to simple criminal damage to property in connection with the incident in the prisons. in the prison official with the District Attorney's Office said. Carey reportedly told a sheriff's deputy after his acquittal that he had fired the fatal shot accidentally during a botched armed robbery attempt. As I pulled the gun back, it went off. Carey was quoted as saying in an incident report filed by the deputy. It was an accident. I wasn't going to kill him. One, It just happened. Carey is the grandson of former state representative Bernard Carrier and son of school board president Ernest Carrier Jr. Perilou said... Matthew Street and Avery June, who had previously accepted fifteen-year sentences for attempted armed robbery in exchange for testimony against Carey during the trial, were previously released at the request of the victim's mother. Carey was released after District Judge Brenda Ricks credited him with time served. So that's it, y'all. The um, one more thing I'm going to read to you. But the Miss Judy, who is Shane Abair's mama, who I talked to and I've talked to since the first broadcast, but I talked to her before the first broadcast, um, and she even told parallel back then, you know, would you please just let those other boys out? Even though they had accepted 15-year plea deals, she said just let them out, you know, they – I know they told the truth, and they don't deserve 15 years if Carrier gets to walk free. And oddly enough, the DA did that. So I want to read you one last thing. Miss Judy published this, okay? And, and yeah, I talk about the putting a human face on the victim and the victim's families, etc. And I know some of this has been hard to hear, reliving it and all that. But you know what? It's real life, real crime, and you didn't have to listen to it if you don't didn't like it or didn't want to hear it. I gave you the warning, but this is, this is pretty tough. And Miss Judy, she's a sweet lady, and you know what? I I'm gonna, I don't want to put any words in her mouth, but gonna, I want to read you what she posted. It's, it's titled Shane Abear. Victim without justice says, I gave you life. I gave you love. I gave you freedom. I gave you guidance. I gave you room to grow. I gave you love and support. I gave you morals and values. I gave you all I had to give son, but I could not give you justice. Mom. And it goes on to say, my son, Shane Ebert, was brutally murdered on October 27, 1997, at the age of 19. Why was he murdered? Because he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I waited two years, five months, and nine days to find out that it did not matter. Shane's killer was found not guilty. And within hours of the verdict, he confessed. Adam Carrier killed my son and now walks free. We would like to thank Charlotte Bear, who prosecuted this case. We know you did everything in your power to see that Shane received justice. To Wayne Stewart, who represented Adam Carrier, you yourself said, and I quote, this was a horrific killing. I told the jury that in my opinion, whoever did it was a cold-blooded, vicious killer. You, Mr. Stewart, help put this cold-blooded, vicious killer on the streets with your children and grandchildren and all the children of Livingston Parish. Do you fear who his next victim will be? And one more thing, Mr. Stewart, my son has a name, and he is not that kid. His name is Shane! It's all in black, y'all, with exclamations. And to the members of the jury who voted not guilty... You also put this killer back on the street with our children. I have two surviving children, and Shane also has two children. I don't know about you, but this scares the capital H-E and star star out of me. The family of Shane Hebert, the victim without justice. The lady on the justice scales is blindfolded. So she won't have to see the injustice done in her courtrooms. That's powerful, y'all. And I hope next week to just bring a little bit different perspective. If I get the chance to do it, if I don't, you'll hear another, another story start. But I hope I get to put a little different perspective on this whole thing for y'all. When I said this case is urban legend, I mean it. How many times do you hear a guy that's being led away from the courthouse on not guilty? That's being led away from the courthouse on on a not guilty verdict and then he confesses. I did it. And I'm going to conclude this episode of I did it. Okay, y'all, um, Real Life for Crime Announcements. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and continuing to show us the love, right? And I mean, it's, it's been amazing. Y'all have been amazing. Um, thank you so much for everything. Don't forget on April 5th, we, I have two new series coming out. One is Scorch Justice, and the other is Hashtag Justice 4 on April 5th. And Patreon and Convicts, thank you so much for your continued support. Couldn't do this show without you. It Means the world to us. Y'all, YouTube is, is blowing up. This, I'm recording myself now. This video will be up again, like uh, the first episode of I Did It Was. Uh, Jim Chapman and the Vision Podcast Studios have, have put some different spins, some some, some posts and pictures and, and stuff. So you, it's like you're watching a movie almost. You get to see me talk, but then he puts some different things about the case in the background. Um, so if you get a chance, go to YouTube, Real Life, it's Real Life Real Crime Podcast. You can just search Real Life Real Crime, Real Life Real Crime Podcast. Subscribe to it. Every week, you're going to get a new video of me telling these stories. And uh, I think it was pretty cool to watch that. So thank you, Jim. And... Also, a real-life, real-crime community app. Y'all keep getting censored on Facebook, and I hate that shit, but it is what it is. It's not even the stuff that I'm saying. the stuff that y'all are saying. I know you don't mean bad bias like memes and stuff, but evidently Facebook finds them offensive. So real-life, real-crime community app, and I also get messages from from all these different pages I have and shit. I can't keep up with them, and that's why you get my responses late and stuff like that. But the, uh, so go to the, the app store, download a free real life, real crime community app. It has everything, real life, real crime and a whole bunch of more stuff. That if you like true crime, you're going to love the app. Um, I wanted to do one more thing real quick. And this is important, y'all. I was sitting in my living room the other night and it was kind of late, I guess like 10 o'clock or something. And Lori Steele with Lopa. Who is an Oregon procurement agent, agency, messaged me and she said, You got to go on your crew page and look up what's been posted. I had no idea. I hadn't looked at it in, in, in an hour or two. And so I go and I look and I want to read this to you. And uh, if you're a member of the crew page or and it's also in the app now, uh, go read this, y'all. This is one of the most, this is the reason I do LOPA. Okay, and I'm going to read this, and, and then I'm going to just tell you about it real quick. Okay, This post was made on February 17th from Covington, Louisiana, by Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E, Fields, T-H-I-E-L-S. All right, and this is what he posted. Y'all, I have a testimony and a sad story and good news all in one. Read this. I promise to make it short and sweet, sad story. Friday night, my wife went into labor. The pregnancy did not go well. Our baby was essentially born brain dead. She thought what seems like an eternity. She went to be with the Lord in the most peaceful manner possible yesterday at 3.51 p.m. The good news in the testimony, comes now. At 9 o'clock last night, someone from Lopa contacted me in regard to my baby girl's heart and that it could help up to potentially three babies. We donated her heart valves. Lopa has her and her care at this time. I'm I'm an organ donor myself, and so is my wife but we never heard of or had any dealings with Lopa. I only know about them through Woody Overton and the extensive work he puts into raising money for them and him ending every show and uh and him in every show and remember Lopa. Think about Lopa, etc. such a great organization, such great caring people. And it has Catherine Olivia Fields, 2.12 of 22, 12.17 a.m., and then 2.16 of 22 at 3.51 p.m. And the dad puts in, in quotes, don't forget about Lopa. Y'all, it made me cry. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully that hopefully when I end the shows and I talk about Lopa, and I, I know I do it every week, and yes, we've raised money for them and all that, but hopefully there are people out there that y'all are saving their lives. And Blaine, you and your beautiful wife, and she, she actually reached out to me since then, y'all, and I don't have in front of me, but I'm going to have more than one day to talk about it because it is important but under this post, he actually puts pictures of little Catherine Olivia and Olivia in the mama. I, I'm assuming it's the mama's hand. Mama has her, her uh, fingernails painted pink, and they painted the baby's fingernails pink. And uh, yeah, the Olivia holding the mama's finger, and the, the pink fingernails are almost touching each other. So anyway, and then they have the pictures is a sweet baby, Olivia. Uh if y'all get a chance go look at it and our prayers go out to the to um the parents and, and all the loved ones the a little a little sweet Catherine Olivia Thills. Thank you, Catherine, for being a hero. Thank you to the parents, Blaine and, and and your wife, for being a hero. And I, I don't have any direct knowledge, but I, yeah, you know, Lopa, thank you for reaching out and and hopefully those, you, hopefully Catherine's heart vows went and saved three other lives, three little babies. Can y'all imagine that? That's pretty amazing. Alright. And I'm Woody Overton, your host for Real Life for Real a Crime Podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder. Bye Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. But you can't afford one, the quarter point one, for you. Do you understand your rights?